Please leave a message after the tone. Raleigh, Raleigh, Raleigh. Hey, we got this guy. So Brandon Hausler looks like he's on your new team for next year. I saw that. And uh, Matt Govero. <laughs> so who is this cat? Anyways, must know him, I guess. So, dude, are they are they up for the task for Ecuador? I mean, they're in. They're saying they're in. So we're good, man. <clears throat> okay, here we are. Coffee breakaway part five. Yeah. Look at this little mug that I got in Ecuador. Yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. This is actually my favorite mug uh, because it, I don't know, it's just a really good size. It's probably six ounces, I would say. So it helps pace the coffee out and then it's hot all the time. And what a great souvenir. This orange is just, it's very on brand too. Wait. I love it. Yeah. Love it. The microphone's obviously in the way. I'm already hating this mic. Um, so we're going to talk about stage five. We're going to talk about the remainder of the year as we're pretty much just starting the year. And we will start with coffee. What are you drinking? <clears throat> this is some local coffee, actually. Um, there's a local roastery called Bean Fruit. Okay. And it's called Crimson Stamp. Uh, it's just a blend, nothing too fancy, but it's really good, really bright, um, kind of a, a white, light roast, really, really good. Did a pour over. Oh, nice. I've been doing a lot of drip, actually. I've been doing drip in the morning and then a pour over, unless I have a hard like weekend ride, then I've been doing drip after because I make about... 600 grams of coffee in the drip and the pour over is only 400 so it's 130 i really want another one but i should probably cut myself off what's your cutoff (laughs) point um generally so i i normally take a lunch break from like 12 to 1 Mm -hmm. and so kind of one o'clock is my last coffee for the day yeah i should probably not do it kind of want to (laughs) go i don't know (laughs) What's I'm drinking a I actually thought it was called Huck, but it's Huckleberry and I don't know where it's from. And I actually came unprepared. I don't know the name of the coffee, but it's very good. It's a light medium roast. I will also say it's bright. Are you good at uh, distinguishing like the coffee notes, like the actual flavors that match what is on the bag? Uh, generally, sometimes it actually takes a couple of uh, a couple of tries to dial in like the amount of coffee. Um, sometimes, if you use too much uh, too much grounds, mm-hmm. it'll kind of just it becomes so bold you really can't you can't distinguish a lot. Agreed. And then two, and then two, you know how important it is uh, of the temperature of water you brew mm-hmm. the coffee with. But the temperature it is when you drink it, sometimes, you know, you pour that first cup and after it sits for a little while uh, and, and cools down a bit, it opens up and I feel like you can taste, uh, you get more of the profile that way. Does that make sense? Yeah. What, uh, what temp are you doing pour over at? Because I was catching some heat on Instagram for, I told somebody that I was doing it at like 185 and they're like, oh, that's way too cold. You're missing out on all this extraction and i was like cool yeah it tastes good over here i don't know yeah i'm like 90 94 degrees 94 degrees like, no what yeah, do you yeah. that you're 
pour that you're doing the pour over at? Oh no, yeah, like 180. Okay, and yeah. then you drink it 94. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into stage five, Ecuador. Uh, for this has been a month ago, and this was the first day at altitude, and really. We had joked that maybe we would attack early, maybe we'd try and throw people off, you know, and we didn't expect to have won two stages, team had worn yellow, and, but we were starting outside of Quito, so it's at 8,500 feet, definitely could feel the first four stages and the altitude. Um, I'm actually thinking now, we talked about, okay, so we talked in the last one about the night before. Right? How yeah. did we get onto that? Was that just the end of the day? So, if you yeah, haven't heard I, about it, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I was just going to say the the crazy five people in a room night, um, the the train horn symphony quartet <laughs> outside of the window, um, the band playing downstairs, uh, you sassing the front desk, <laughs> sassing. <laughs> I was not sassing. I was just tired and like, okay, this is not acceptable, and they were thinking that it totally was so i lost that one but (laughs) so what so going into the stage i mean i think realistically it was we're it's not are we going to get dropped we're going to get dropped at some point when's it going to happen how much time do we lose definitely did not see the day coming that arrived and it was yeah it was rough Uh, i don't even know how we get into this um how would you jump into this? Yeah, I mean, so basically, kind of like you said, we um, the day before the bus ride to Quito, mm. uh, we had mm-hmm. we we talked a lot about you know we'd had more success than we thought, and we kind of were going to approach this like every other stage, like balls to the wall, like let's see what we can do, but just had no idea how bad we were about to be affected by altitude Mm. and then the lack of sleep. And so do you remember the the bus ride in the morning of, of stage five? Uh, It was the first race that we didn't get to ride our bikes to from the hotel. We got on a bus Yeah, and we, and we rode to the bottom of some hill. It was about a 30 minute bus ride. And then we had to walk 30 minutes up the, giant cobbled hill to the start i I rode up that i did not walk you guys no i did walk up that yeah yeah Yeah. yeah. that was a weird that was definitely a weird start and then we were in that town so let's talk about the conversation that i forget who posed the question hardest day on the bike and if you listen to episode four it, it did we do one episode per stage was that episode four so i'm like yeah that's okay. right so episode four i thought we maybe had done two stages in one episode four i think i alluded to i wasn't feeling great i don't know what it was i don't think it was the altitude maybe still my stomach a little bit off but i was like trying to pass out as we were getting up towards altitude because that first like initial change i always feel and wasn't feeling so hot and i'm like have my eyes closed and i can but i'm a awake and i can hear people talking and somebody had said what's the most what was the quite was the most epic day or i, I think day? it was just, 
I think it was just hardest to on the yeah. bike. Um, and I don't remember if it was Jean Michel. It was about was. four four of us talking. Yeah, uh, and everybody kind of went around and told theirs, and mine was talking about a gravel race I'd done the year before, and um, I mean, I it was super cold. Uh, we had to go through this mud pile, like re- like mile two. And I dropped my chain like three times, the entire group attacks. And so at like mile two, I'm dropped by myself. And, you know, I basically tell the story of doing a five hour time trial and like picking guys off one by one. And, and this was like a crushing physical day on the bike. And I felt like I overcome so overcame so much, but as I was greatly humbled, not even 24 hours later. Wait, hold on, though. You're leaving <laughs> on a huge detail. What was your result in that race? I, I won. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm laying there, and I'm like, this dude is telling me about a gravel race where he dropped his chain, and he picked everyone. He's just stronger than everybody there, and won. And I was like, this just encapsulates how new you are to the sport and i love it and i was just lit, sitting there and i was like man this is great i can't wait until we're out on the road and maybe we'll be together and he just gets his teeth kicked in and i didn't even realize maybe i jinxed us that was gonna be in but, but 12 hours I, I think what's so sweet is that you didn't say anything like you kept that thought in your head oh yeah i'm not gonna be as but but, but what made it so great was the next day after we had (laughs) been shelled out the back okay so let's get into that we'll get to this conversation so the race starts we get our bikes and so in my head i'm imagining like a joe martin start maybe you know okay maybe we have two lanes you know there's only 80 five 90 guys left not a huge field maybe it's gonna be rolling in the beginning i mean i knew we knew there was a climb but it wasn't i didn't know that we maybe would be starting on a climb maybe that was my error i thought we were like rolling a little bit first and so we're like yeah maybe somebody will attack early and then really how i thought it would play out would be we'd hit a hard section and the group would split and there would be a group, huge groupetto that we would be a part of. And maybe we'd chase some people down. Who knows? As we're rolling up the road, I'm like, wow, this is pretty hard to pedal here. Um, huh. We're going to go up to over 10,000 feet. We're at 8,500. Now this is going to be a really hard day. Like going to really have to watch the matches. And as I'm thinking this, we're rolling on, I feel like it was three lanes. And really wide open road. And it just had the vibe of the guys around were kind of like starting to rev it up a little bit. And I'm like, wait, we're, we're neutral right now. And I'm looking at the guy in the car. And I'm like, ooh, are we to start right now on the base of this climb? And as that's like going through my brain, the flag goes down. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. And it was just I don't know, 50 guys attacking everybody just full gas. And what were you thinking going into this? So obviously I knew it was going to be a hard day 
I mean, we got no sleep, but I, as we I, got, I, got, I got six hours after SAS and I fell asleep. I got like six hours. Maybe <laughs> you had no sleep. I felt bad for you. You looked not great. But. Yeah. And so I, I knew it was going to be a hard day. I knew I was going to get dropped at some point, but I did not by any means think that like, I'm going to, I didn't think I would have any trouble making time cut. Like my perspective going into it was get through today so I can rest and try to make it through the next day. Yeah. Um, but as we're rolling up that climb, I was having almost identical thoughts. Like we're kind of ramping up the base and just the the vibe of the field just completely changed. And it was, okay, uh, why are, like, I'm, I was up towards the front because I was in the jersey. Everybody's kind of lined across the front. You're kind of parading out of town. And we're rolling on the front. And I'm, I'm getting past going up the hill and I look down I'm not going easy I'm like all right we're kind of like this doesn't feel very neutral and I look up to the commissaire in the black piece of junk car (laughs) that's hilarious I I picture it as silver but I just see a lot of rust and like wheels wobbling there's a very very old maybe Corolla I don't know yeah and then you know I kind of look forward up up at the car and he sticks the flag out the window and waves it. And I just go, Oh no. Okay. (laughs) And so, so I'm just slowly sagging out the back of this (laughs) group from the front. And by the time we make it to the top of the first roller, I'm in the caravan and every car that passed me, had at least one person with a video, like their phone videoing me out the window. Uh, and so the story of the guy losing yellow is <laughs> taking place. And it, it was, that was kind of tough, like in the moment, like I'm, <laughs> everybody that's passing by, you know, is videoing me immediately going back into the caravan. And it wouldn't have been nearly as bad not being in yellow. And I mean, it is what it is. Like I did, I shouldn't have been there in the first place. Like we, we all knew that it was, I wore it because, you know, you, you're honoring the, the race. So like enjoy the, I guess the day and the, the whatever that comes with it. But like I was writing news stories in my head. <laughs> of giant gringo loses yellow on the first within the first K. <laughs> no longer muy guapo. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Dude, exactly. I think well, I think you gotta reframe that. I mean, it's just like anybody that wins yellow in the Tour de France that gets it like a prologue, or you you deserve to be in it. It was just the day had come when you were gonna lose it. We just didn't sure. expect to lose it that quickly. As so as I'm coming up next to you and I look at you, I'm like, damn, he does not look good. We're rolling up. I'm like trying to get up towards Henry and John Michel thinking, okay, I'm, this is not a great spot. I'm in like the middle of the pack. This group might like shatter right now. Some guys are still coming past me. It's like you could see the top of the like roller hill, whatever you want to call it. I should go back and look and see what kind of little climb it was. But then also that it's not going to be, it was like false flat after that. And Henry looks at me, he's like, yo, dude, we lost Matt. I'm like, he's done, dude. Like, it, you could tell, like, there's, we can't yeah. drag him up this thing. Let's try and stay in this race. And as that's happening, it's just like dudes attacking. And 
I can see there's like a little stringing out on the front. And then in five minutes, four, three minutes, like losing wheels. And it was just, the race was just going up the road. And I look back to see where you are. Uh, it's you, me, Joey, uh, Jordan was up the road, a couple other random like Ecuadorian dudes. And the hardest thing was just not being able to pedal. Like you can see the guys and I'm like, go harder. And like the first effort was really hard. It was definitely over 500 Watts for, I want to say like, I, I actually just pulled up my, my file. Okay. And my one minute power is over 500 watts. And it was on that initial. Yeah. That initial surge. Let me see if I have mine. I'll look uh, while we're talking here. Um, and so we start chasing and it's like the, before the altitude was more feeling like quicksand. It was almost like the muscles in my legs just couldn't pedal. It wasn't the breathing thing that everybody talks about. Yeah. And then it more became once that huge match was lit, it was definitely, oh, I can't really breathe. I'm trying to breathe. I'm not riding that hard. How do I control this? And there just was absolutely no control. And that I think was the most frustrating part of just not being able to go. Um, yeah, it was one and a half. Let me see here. The beginning surge. Let me highlight this. Yeah. It's 124 at 543. And then I'm like off the gas. And then I'm like sprinting. And then I'm VO2 max. And this whole thing, this whole effort before we finally hit a downhill is seven minutes. We go downhill, hit it hard again. For another five minutes and at that point we're already we're already chasing and it's like oh, okay and i'm thinking that we're going to get back on let me take another look at how long we chased how long do you think it was until the race was gone maybe uh, let's 10 minutes see. i don't know it wasn't I, I have i have a pretty much 11 12 minutes from when the flag dropped uh 12 minutes normalized uh like 380 yeah I, 12 minutes for me is normalized 392 which at 8500 feet i'm like okay that wasn't a bad effort that match though it was game over and yes. it, so I, like the, the whole match book caught fire and it was like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well said <laughs> whole match book now gone and so now it's i remember us riding and thinking, well, we're going to make time cut. Let we need to like get in a groove here because was it, who else was with us? It was Joey. Uh, J- Joey dropped back with me almost immediately. Okay. I think he thought maybe I was having a mechanical. He wasn't quite sure. And when he got back to me, so I was like the dickhead team, and I was like, "Yo, he's done. Let's go. Let's <laughs> <I> go." <laughs> and I was like, "Man, I'm." This is literally, this is all I can do. Yeah. Um, and I, I was pretty much, dude, you go get back on. 
you know, I, there's nothing you can do to help me. And he really did like, he sold himself to try to shepherd and, and bring me back. And after that chase, you know, I, I did what I could to contribute. We obviously lost contact. Um, and we were, it was just me and him for a few minutes before you were brought out the back. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you lasted in the group several minutes longer. Let me give myself uh, a pat on the back for making it 10 <laughs> minutes in this bike race. So, fun, uh, funny enough, though, this is probably the second shortest that I, uh, second shortest or second fastest race that I got dropped at. I got dropped even faster. Actually, I might have gotten dropped faster at Joe Martin a couple years ago. And when it was like in the rain, I was getting super sketched out. I attacked. Went up this climb, did not realize the climb kept going, and watched the whole group right away, and then rode the rest of the stage with Brandon Malott, who had a mechanical. And he goes, "Man, thank God I, didn't, I had a mechanical because you got dropped." And I was like, "Ooh, that that stings." But actually, the first one was Tour Tuna. Same thing happened. Second year racing, uh, second first year as a Cat One, doing the NRC stage race not realizing who I was racing with and followed a guy from Garneau up the first climb, didn't make it to the top of the first climb and watched 120 dudes ride past me as I was falling back into the caravan. People who I had no idea were like, come on, Hausler, you come on, get back on, get back on the downhill's coming. And it was just like legs imploding and everyone drove away. I was like, wow, that was not smart. But, you know, you take one on the chin, you, you live to see another day, and it keeps you super hungry. Uh, I think, so we start riding back to Ecuador. We're riding, and as we're slowly climbing, let me see when we start getting up towards the mountain here. Uh, zoom, entire workout. And there was two, there was two big climbs. Uh, the first one, like the, it was sunny. It was really pretty. Um, by that point it was yourself, Joey, Jordan, and me and, uh, uh, and Forrest. Okay. And we lost Forrest. He, he had a puncture, um, kind of at the bottom of the, that first climb. And that's yeah. where, that's where we were really kind of talking about the day at this point. We still figured we were going to make time cut. Um, we had had some emotional swings, at least I had. And that's oh, when you, that's, uh, we're, we're climbing up. We're, you know, just pacing ourselves to the top. All the spectators are walking down the mountain. Um, and like, I remember swinging over and throwing a kid one of my bottles. And like, I'm feeling like, I'm like, all right, we're just going to make it through the end of today. And that's when you had brought up uh, back to the conversation on the bus that you didn't say anything on the bus. You more or less were like, so uh, that was your hardest day on the bike, huh? <laughs> or or, or so, something kind of like that. And that's when I kind of laughed. I chuckled and I said, you know what? That story is such BS because I walked away and I won. I was like, how pathetic is that? It was like I, for the first time, I had seen it from a different light. Yeah. It's, and that's, uh, you know, now I remember exactly where we were, man. The spirits were like, okay, we're going to make it. And then 
And that was a good conversation. I can't even remember how, well, we'll get to kneading the dough. I think it's an important thing for other, other cyclists to hear as they kind of begin their journey or maybe they're in their journey and, you know, all these experiences go on top of each other. Um, as we're riding through the sunshine, it's actually funny if you brought that up. I kind of have my mind blanked that out. All I see is the cold rain and it starts sprinkling and we're riding. And it's one of those rides where we're climbing, we're getting up to 9,000 feet. We go down, we get back up to 9,200 feet. We go down and the four of us are riding and it's like the talking sort of slows and the rain kind of picks up a little bit and the talking kind of goes away. And at one point I remember it was just us marching along, like just riding and take your pull, pull over next guy, you know, and when we got up to 10,000 feet and I remember being, we had driven, no, we hadn't driven there yet. Oh, I remember seeing this road later with forest and man, when we got up there, that's when I was really struggling to push. And Joey being from Albuquerque, he didn't seem to be having any problem. And Jordan was riding really well from Kansas. Totally. Uh, and the water, just the spray was so annoying. It was just, that was a beat down. I was starting to get a little cold and it was kind of coming into my mind like, man, this is, this day is changing. Like I, I really kept thinking this rain's going to stop. This rain is going to stop. And I remember saying to you like, they're over the next hill, like the rain's stopping. Yeah. What was, how were you taking in from what was your perception of the ride from when we went from sun to eventually at 10,000 feet, we split up. And I remember just being like, yo, you guys keep riding. We're holding you up. Like, yeah, totally. You know, we can't keep up with you. (laughs) We got dropped by our teammates. Like they were just riding tempo and it was just couldn't do it. Yeah, totally. So on the, on the sunny climb, it, it was like we had come out of a darkness of the initial being dropped. And it was once we got into the sprinkling rain and it picked up, um, I had my Karen moment of like, I barked at Joey. I was like, dude, can you ride in a straight line? Like he kept like swerving, you know, it's crashed me. And like, I handled it really bad and barked at him. And that's kind of when I knew it. I was like, dude, I'm not like, I don't know. I knew you were not. I was like, wow, I have not heard that tone from Matt before. He's feeling this. And yeah. Um, but as, as we continued to ride and it, the, the rain picked up and the road spray, I mean, it, it was just entering like a even darker mental space. Um, and when I remember when you said to, to Joey and Jordan, you're like, dude, we're, we're holding you. Y'all have to go. Like, if you're going to make it like just y'all need to go. Mm-hmm. And so they just kept riding and, and we traded pools the best we could you really did a a lot more work than me at that point and i was just trying to hold on to your wheel um and when they rode away they like were gone and i was like wow we are so slow to like this is altitude is and it was you know i'm not even you had no sleep i don't even know how you were like alive i had six hours maybe five five or six like enough Enough that I could should have been able to like ride. So I don't, I can't even, I'm not even looking at it as like sleep was the issue for me. It was more, which I'm kind of glad to feel how that altitude felt. 
um, man, it was, it was really frustrating. Just, I'm actually looking at the file here when we, so, well, we'll get to this. We're, when we were riding before we get, so we're like, when we're like 9,200, we're doing normalizing 270 for like 45 minutes. So it's like more endurance and felt like tempo. Um, I remember we pulled over, we put our jack, our yeah, jackets. I wish put the vests on. We probably did that too late. I remember thinking over the next climb and it's going to get sunny and it got worse. And when we got to the top of the climb, I guess it was the big climb where Raleigh was at the top and he handed me that Coke. I could barely open it. I like crushed half of it. And I think, I think I just threw it. And I remember being like, I hate littering. And it just was like, I I was so wrecked. And his comment afterwards was, wow, I know how you guys physically carry yourself on the bike. When I saw you, I knew something was really wrong. And when we descended down that climb, I don't like descending fast in the first place when it's teeming. I maybe it wasn't teeming when it's raining. I would say medium to heavy. Was it heavy? It felt heavy. It was just water everywhere. Like, yeah, we were just so soaked. So wet. So soaked. So wet. Arm warmers. So wet. And I remember pedaling and my right leg was, my pedal stroke started getting funny because my right leg was like spasming up. So it was like, I would go to pull up and it would like before the down, before I start to push, it would like pull more. And I was like, what is going on? I'm not in a very good place right now. And then like the chattering came and I'm thinking, okay, this is the biggest climb. I just need to get down this thing. And then maybe we'll be on rollers. And I think that's when you passed me. And I like waved goodbye to you. I could not. You started hauling, and I was like, I cannot go downhill in the rain. Just how I feel, like it was actually kind of scary. Um, didn't didn't feel great. What's yeah, yeah. So when when I pass you coming down that hill, um, you know, I I don't have any issue with going fast, but with it being that wet. I literally only went that fast because I couldn't feel my brakes. <laughs> like I, I couldn't grab them. And, it makes and me feel I, better because I'm like, wow, he's just going full throttle. I'm definitely not doing that. No, I was, I was, and I was convulsing. Like I was shaking so much that my bars were shaking. Um, but I remember getting to the bottom of that climb and I couldn't see you anywhere. I kept looking back and I was like, it Please. Tr- yeah, I could Please see you. I could see you off the side of the road. No, I could see the speck of you. And, uh, yeah, eventually when I caught up to you, it was, do you remember, actually we forgot about at one point you had said to me, don't let me, don't let me get in the bus no matter what. And I said, get in the bus. We're not getting in the bus, dude. We're going to, we're going to like finish. We're going to make time cut. We're going to finish this freaking ride. that was at the that was at the base God. of the big climb that Raleigh was at the top of, Dude, and that was another one of those. I, I was like climbing back into that dark hole, and I just said, "Yeah, I just said, Brendan. I said, if if they offer for us to get in the bus, do not let me do it because I because nope. if they came up and asked me, I was going to be like, yep, I'm out of here because I was just suffering. I was so to put into perspective." Apart. 
for people that follow us on Strava, I, for 40 minutes up that climb, the first hump and the big part of the climb, 42 minutes, averaged 241 watts. We went 14.7 miles an hour, and it was just all I had. And I just felt so cracked at the top. I just absolutely broken. And so what was your thought process when you pulled up to me? And that guy was... The guy was like, are you guys done? And I don't remember why we stopped, but you were shaking, like total no control of your body. What what were you thinking at that point? Yeah. So I stopped to ask the commissaire. I just said, is there any way I can get a jacket? And then you pulled up to me. And he just shrugged his shoulders. He didn't speak English. No, yeah, uh, but he he knew how bad. I mean, I, I had tears in my rolling down my face, um, and I just I could I I could not grab my brakes. And when you pulled up, I told you that I just said, "Dude, I, I can't hold my bars." I said, yeah. I, "I I've got to go. Like I've, yeah. I've got to. I can't. I can't continue." And you just said, "Dude, no, no shame." Yeah. And you said, "I'm going to try to push." And you got on and, and you ripped it, you know, ripped down the road. And, and I, I was I crawled onto the bus. And I was thinking, and so I'm looking here. So I only made it another six miles, 20 minutes. And it was going down the downhill and freezing cold again. And I lost, I'm like going around this corner. Now I can't really feel my brakes. And they had some like weird divots in the pavement. It was almost like a tire. Like it was fresh when it was fresh, someone had like peeled out. Like it was like a weird ripple. And I hit one of them and I was like, ooh, that's okay, that's bad. I need to like watch out for that. And I was coming around this corner and I like dodged another one. And I went to hit my brakes. I couldn't feel my brakes. And the thought of me like laying in the hospital was came into my mind. And that was the dagger that just took me out. And I was like, dude, what are you doing right now? You still have, what was it? Probably another 30 miles to go. And I'm like, hour and a half. If I'm, if I was going 20, I'm not even averaging 20. I'm averaging like 18 right now. How am I going to do this by myself? And it was just, the writing was on the wall. It was like, man, you're done. And, uh, it definitely hurt. It's, uh, I mean, on paper, just, yeah, I folded. And it was definitely not how I saw that stage going. I think the getting, <laughs> it hit me when I tried to get on the bus and I tried to lift my bike up. And they're like, okay, get on. And it was actually a pretty steep first step. And I went to lift my bike up and it didn't move off the ground. I was so cold. Like I couldn't lift my arms up with the bike. And I was like, Ooh, okay. This might actually be the right call. And so I'm like, yo man, can you help me get this bike on? And the guy with the long hair came down, grabbed the front of the bike. He didn't want to get wetter, got the bike on. And I'm like pulling myself on the bus and I don't even feel my arms. Like they're just frozen. And I'm like, okay, yeah. I think this was the right call. And yeah. you are curled up covered in like a towel looking homeless and just effed and i'm like god do i look like that and i looked in the reflection of the window and it was like i looked so emaciated and my eyes just looked 
cracked. And I was so pissed that I didn't have a camera because, like, that would have been a ridiculous video to have. Yeah. Just broken. So just got chewed up, spit out, annihilated. So the same, the same guy you're talking about with the long hair that helped you get your bike on the yeah. bus is, I mean, I got in the seat and he's who gave me that towel and I'm sitting there and I'm shaking and he started peeling his leg and arm warmers off and he gave them to me to like put on yeah, to try to warm me up. Like I was just so annihilated, like tears running down my face, just convulsing in the seat, just yeah. so cold. And when he started like peeling his own clothes off to give to me, like it was awesome. I mean, just obviously it speaks to his character, but I mean, I, I just at that point knew how broken that I was. Um, Forrest actually has, has an Instagram post talking about his, this same scenario from his perspective, being on the bus, watching us walk onto the bus. Uh, on stage five, it's it's worth looking up and reading, and it was an interesting, an interesting uh, viewpoint. Dude, I missed that. When did he post that? It's wow. been uh, yeah, it's probably been three weeks. Two oh, weeks. Wow. Okay, weeks. man, Algo has me. I to- I'm gonna have to <laughs> look that up. I that actually totally Sean Coletta. Sean Coletta. I forgot that he was on the bus, man. I was just. I remember getting on. I was like, man, that's that's it. Like, damn. And then we're driving, we're driving, and dude, serious kudos to Joey and Jordan. Like, at one point, they're the last guys on the road, and we could see them, and they're just, it's teeming rain, and they're flying down this hill. I'm like, man, those guys are badass. And they finished. They got to race again in the rain um, the next day. It was, I would love to do those rides. Well, I got to do some of those rides when it was nice out. Totally different. I had to think back to the very first podcast that I did with Whitney Stambro, who said there's no bad days on the bike. At the moment, it was a pretty bad day. Uh, it definitely puts in perspective, though, the good days. And, you know, I'm definitely getting a little softer in terms of the weather that I'll ride through. I'm actually not at Swamp Classic right now because of it looked like 40 in rain. I told the guys, I'm like, Hey, I just last week evoke crew is down here and we rode in 38. We rode in a day of rain. We rode in the coldest 47 ever, which if you're listening, 47 is not cold. A guy today on the ride said that was the coldest 47 degrees of my life. I said, dude, I thought I had gone crazy. Granted I had ridden 175 miles the day before. So I think my body was just a little messed up. But those three rides, I just could I didn't have it in me to go and race in the rain again. And uh no bad days on the bike. And I think that we talked about kneading the dough. And how did that I don't know how that exactly came up. You're do you remember that? Yeah, it it was on that first climb uh when I brought back up or we had talked about the the story of the bat or the more epic day. Yeah. on the bike yeah we kind of brought that back up uh on that climb and you just said uh something about essentially compounding you yeah. know just that growth and folding it over on itself yeah um and i said it's like needing dough yeah and you and you like 
you you're like, man, I need to write that down. That was um, the bomb, dude. Because that's exactly yeah. what it is. It's like you win, you lose. You win, you lose. You lose, you lose. You lose. You train. You race. Like all these things, it just keeps like mushing into itself. I was trying to hopefully get the message across to so many people. Like I'm gonna keep saying it. When you're three years into training, you are so freaking new. Like there's just so many more experiences. And I always remember being three years in, I'd been a cat one for two years. I was getting blasted in like some stage races. You know, you're good locally. You go to a big regional race, you get 47th. And it's just like, these guys are just, they've just needed the dough longer. They just know all the little tricks or more tricks, not all of them. And you just keep getting better in little micro ways that have macro results. And it really, that stuck with me. I think just continually need the dough over and over and over again. Totally. And and I have to remind myself that, you know, I'm, I'm the guy that's only been racing and training for a short period of time. Uh, and I think it's so important to have people in your corner and, and surround yourself with people who, who can see, uh, who can see things in a way that you can't, um, because you get so locked into that that viewpoint of like the gravel race, you know. Oh, this is terrible, you know. This epic whatever day on the bike, this in crazy power, this whatever. You still came out and you won. Like mm-hmm. you, you still leave the hero. And sometimes you need people to be like, "Hey, dude." <laughs> that's so that's yeah that's so that's so small that's so uh you know surrounding yourself with with people who can see through that and and i think at the same know. time though make sure that you still have your own lens because there's a lot of things that you might accomplish that the people around you you know when i look at velo brew we don't have anybody that's won a national championship yet the cat one version we don't have somebody – well, Raleigh's been pro. Um, I think it's – you know, I think since cycling is a small community, and it's a little bit different now with the internet, but I remember, like, there were guys that I looked up to that when I did five to three and three to one, when I was a three, they were like, you're not ready to be a two. I was like – I'm winning cat three races. Like I'm pretty, like I want to get to the next level as fast as possible so I can just learn more and get better. And and this one guy was adamant and I realized he was more that way because he wasn't upgrading as fast and was like, just more trying to like pull me down to his level. And it kind of made me like realize that sometimes if you're trying to achieve something bigger than the people around you, you got to just fly your own ship. So I think that's going to be, I mean, you're, are you the youngest guy on the team? You're maybe the same as four. No, Forrest is older. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I think you're in the best seat because you can, like you said, you can take the experiences that we've had, the stuff that we have learned, but hopefully take it farther than any of us have done and, you know, kind of blaze your own trail. Need that dough, and then you'll be doing the same thing for somebody else in 10 years. We stick with it, and, you know, at some point, you will be 10 years older and then you'll hopefully be racing with some guy who's like, yo, I'm just starting. And what do I like? Let's do this. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Such a cool journey. I'm like, there's so many, I'm thinking of so many people that have helped me knead the dough. And like, it's crazy just to think of like, wow, I raced in Ecuador or wow, I got to go do this race with Owen in France. Like the places it's taken me is nowhere was not on the map, like was not on my radar when I first started riding a bike. And I was recording a different podcast this morning, just of like the question that answers so many like motivation questions. Like, do you like riding a bike? I think people get so caught up in training and they forget why they started doing this. It's like, dude, cause you just like, you like the feeling of this and yeah, you want to get faster, but so much motivation, so many people fall out of this sport because we find a lot of us find it later in life. And if you just keep asking yourself, Hey, do I like doing this? And the answer is yes. Like you'll find so many more experiences and success. And I think we expect to find, um, journeys just, it's awesome. I could talk about that for an hour. Mm. What's, uh, okay. So final, I guess final thoughts, the race ended, we got lucky in that it ended where we're going to be staying afterwards for a little bit. So we got to do a ton of riding there. Ecuador is an amazing country. Really cool to hang out in Antuntaki and just kind of live in this little village for a bit. Uh, I had Guanabana. Oh, there's a Peruvian place here that has Guanabana smoothies. And for real. For real. Can, tell the people. It's, it's like a pineapple strawberry. I Thanks. guess, but it's like, it's clear, it's white. It's called a soursop in English, which is yeah. weird. Um, I think everybody knows it as Guanabana. I tried to get it at Whole Foods down here because I figured, hey, Florida, they might have it. It's not in season, but they do carry it sometimes. It is super high nutrient. John Michel had had it before. Um, it is an amazing smoothie, and I can't wait for the next one, but this Peruvian place I went to, so many cool like little restaurants had one and um yeah ecuador what's next uh for you so uh as far as race schedule goes um i'm going to be doing the auburn classic uh in auburn alabama the 26 and 27 and is that a uh road race is it omnium i believe so it's it, it's a road race, a time trial, and a crit, uh, and it's being put on by Top View. So I'm I'm pretty sure it's an Omnium. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to. I'm actually really looking forward to getting on the time trial bike. Uh, I've been doing some work on that. That's kind of one of my uh, goals for this year. Um, I was able to win the state the Mississippi Louisiana state time trial championship last year. Um, I want to go back this year and I want to, I want to break the course record uh, healthily. Uh, That's kind of a a small, just personal goal. Um, And then I'm going to take a pretty big swing at the national time trial championship a few days before the road race. Better get arrow. It's a hard race. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's a tough for sure, especially if it's in Florida. Be super fast. Those are good goals. I'm actually going to do. Somebody told me that people take the Florida Mercs category pretty seriously, and it's a state TT. And I was like, really? They're like, oh yeah, the Mercs people don't mess around. And I think it's probably kind of because of Top View is down here in Florida, and they always have the Mercs advantage for Omniums. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm like, huh, maybe I'm going to tee up a TT again. And I have the Garno time trial bike. It's so freaking old, though. I need to sell it or turn it into like a fixie. But that's in the beginning of April. Auburn is 10 hours away. I really would maybe like to do it since I... I'll put this on on wax or film or whatever this is. I got super hyped for Swamp Classic. I built up every... I was like, Swamp Classic, let's go, let's go. And then I looked at the weather. I was like, wait a minute. North Florida is not the same as South Florida. It's going to be 75 degrees here. Today. It was actually 82 um, I was waking up to alligator emojis in, in the group chat. <laughs> that that is true. I did send out yeah. just a random alligator, and then I was like, "Oh wait, I'm out. Sorry." And uh, <laughs> I also need to recalibrate to like being on the team. Like I can't hype people and flake. I flaked. Flaking is the worst quality I find in humans. I hate people who flake, and I think this is the first thing I've flaked on in a. I don't even know when because I hate it so much when people do that. But I was like, I'm going to shudder if I'm in rain and cold. And even doing this podcast is making me like think back to this stage. Um, so before I say I'm going to be at Auburn Classic, I'm a 10-hour drive is stout for February. So I don't know if I'll be at that, but I'm looking hopefully maybe March, Chain of Lakes. But that's in northern Florida, so that's a maybe. <laughs> and then there's Oak Ridge Omnium in Tennessee. That's the same weekend as Tigertown, though, but it's pretty badass. Oh, that's the same as the state TT here. Okay, that's a maybe. Uh, do you know about Max Gander and Cedar Hill north of – how far is Nashville from you? Uh, it's about six hours, six and a half. Dude, May 7th and 8th, two super fun crits. There should be good fields there. And I've won only one of them. The other one uh, – I want to say team type one. What's the the uh, Nova? Oh uh, yeah, Nova Nordic. Yeah, the one they had a good sprinter there, and he took it. Um, Max Gander. So I don't know. That's early May, and then there's a Florida State crit. Uh, but yeah, really looking forward to Tulsa Tough. I'm like lit, crit life again, and uh, Nationals, <laughs> Masters, Nats. And we'll see what else pops up along the way. Sweet. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, any closing thoughts, words for the people from the coffee breakaway? Mm. Uh, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, it's the whole Ecuador experience was awesome. Um, I felt like I, I got to knead the dough. I just gained a lot of perspective. Um, I mean, it, it's something I never imagined uh, getting to experience just a couple of years ago, not even on the radar, you know, of, of doing a, a UCI event or, or something internationally and to knock it out in one swing uh, to walk away with some success with the entire team um, was just, I don't know. I, I came back and it was kind of that same. One of the first conversations we, we had was, okay, you know, I've set these goals or these whatever, and I've reached them faster than I thought. Like, how do you make realistic goals? Like, what what is too big? And then I just have kind of, every time I make a goal or every time, you know, you kind of put something out there and then it happened, you're like, you're trying to gain the perspective to, to set a new or a better uh, 
So I think that's what I was maybe trying to say before too, of like, you know, just keep, you know, when we had talked on the phone before I really knew you and I was like, dude, just keep doing the biggest races you can do and put yourself out there and then still do local races and keep that perspective, as you said, of the difference in quality of the fields and how hard they are. And that's really how this started was when Raleigh was like, how the hell did you drag Matt into the, the Ecuador race? And I said, about a year ago, we were on the phone and I said, do the biggest races you can do. And I was like, yo, you want to go do this race? Let's do it. And I think as long as you keep doing that, I mean, that's the thing. You found crazy success so fast. Who Nobody knows what the ceiling is. And at the same time, as long as you're having fun doing it, just keep doing it. Just keep throwing the boomerang out there and see what comes back. It's, uh, yeah, it just goes back. It's such an awesome journey. Definitely be doing some more rides in other countries, other states, other wherever. It's just such, such a cool way to explore, uh, I guess, the world. So, well, my friend, with that, I look forward to when we cross paths on the bike again. And we'll have to get some more podcasts going as we get some more races under our belt. And uh, thanks to everybody who's been tuning in to the Coffee Breakaway. Hit us up with questions. And we'll talk to you soon. See ya. And cut. <laughs> You're not going to hang up on me this time. <laughs> uh, it's actually funny. I, I usually just did that. To, I actually do that to everybody that I do a podcast with. I'm like, this is so weird. But then I was like, I should just say cut. And so literally every podcast, I'm like, okay, man, thanks. See ya. And I'm like, end. And then I text them. I'm like, yeah, that was awesome. They're probably like, that was really weird ending. But <laughs>